So we have some of the most interesting, unique, and amazing meditations, I think, in the world. I mean, we have past life regression meditations, guided hypnosis meditations, Akashic Record meditations, as well as healing meditations. Our meditations are pretty cool. And they're not just about stillness of mind and peace and sit there, hmm. I mean, we have those too, don't get me wrong, but these are about meditations that are going to shift and change and you're gonna walk out of there feeling lighter, freer, healed, and even getting guidance and insight. So come down, experience one of our meditations. They're pretty badass. Hi, this is Christina Dam, and this is Liberate the Podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and liberate your consciousness. Hi there, welcome to another episode of Liberate the Podcast. Today, we have Greg Lawrence with us, and he is a psychedelic integration coach, okay? And I know that psychedelics is kind of like the big buzz lately. I mean, you hear about all the different types of psychedelics, and there's this whole new, like, decriminalization of the mushroom movement happening. So I think that this is a perfect, timely piece for us. And so I want to welcome Greg. Greg, welcome. Thank you, Christina. I Uh, love Liberate Hollywood, by the way. Way. I've been here 20 plus times and I still discover new things in this store every time I come here. Like so this room. <laughs> thank you for providing. Yeah, the secret layer that I just found about found out about coming into this room. Well, that's because we had to have you on in order for you to discover what goes on behind those walls. <laughs> well, thank you. So um, I want to hear a little bit about the psychedelic integration coaching that you do. And, you know, the first thing that pops into my mind is what type of psychedelics do you work towards integrating with people? Is it all of them or do you do you tend to coach people through the integrations of some and then what is the integration that you're doing so all of that well first of all it applies pretty much across the board to the psychedelic experience okay and job of a psychedelic integration coach is to help someone take the experience that they had during their psychedelic experience and integrate that into their daily lives okay there are a few different approaches to that mine is to help people make some sort of conscious mindful change in their life based on the experience they had. There's always some overarching theme or lesson that you get from the psychedelic experience. Yeah. But I also work with people. As a coach, I work with people beforehand. So now because of Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind and the popularity of psychedelics and the MAP studies using MDMA yeah. for PTSD, there are a lot of new people coming. You know, I, in addition to being a coach, I host uh, psychedelic integration circles three times a month. Okay. In Santa Monica and in the Valley. Okay. So we get a lot of new people every week. People yeah. want to know about psychedelics who have no experience. So sometimes I work with people who want to know what they might expect during during an experience, mm-hmm. what kind of effects they might expect, how to stay grounded, navigate, what to happen, what's going to happen, or what they do if things get potentially unpleasant. They have an unpleasant experience, mm-hmm. which is super important. Yeah, right? very and I think, important. I think that's one of the things that causes people to have the most fear on it as they've they've heard all of these good things but then they have one friend or one somebody that somebody knows that had a bad experience so they're like ah you know well psychedelics are not for everyone there are people with medical and psychological contradictions and people who are just not temper you know don't have the temperament to handle psychedelics yeah psychedelics tend to bring things up very quickly they might be things that you've been avoiding for a long time so it can get kind of nerve-wracking sometimes Preparation helps mitigate those bad effects to a great extent. So we talk about that. People who have experience with psychedelics might want to do preparation sessions where we do things like dive into their past and their present. What are the patterns and habits that you're dealing with now and how are those two things connected? 
bringing those things out tends to do one of two things usually. They might bring those things up in the journey, and sometimes they might clear them out of the way because psychedelics want to go to the first thing that's sort of tapping on the back of your consciousness. Yeah, so, so you're kind of bringing it up and, and kind of clearing it so it can go to a deeper layer. Exactly, it's not just sitting there. They've spoken it, it's out of the way, and sometimes things go a little bit deeper. Got you. And then I work with people after an experience, and those might be people who contact me because they're in some sort of acute state. They might have had a bad experience, they're having panic attacks, they're feeling ungrounded, or like they can't relate to people. Sometimes helping put context around that, talking about their experience and talking about what the lesson was in that will help them quite a bit. Sometimes I have to refer those people to a therapist yeah. if they're really suffering badly. Okay. And well, you Most know of the work I do, I was just going to say for the last part of afterwards, is with people uh, finding out what the experience was to them, what it meant to them, what their lesson was, and then what they do from there to make it a part of their daily life. That's the most important part of psychedelic integration. That's the process. How do I hang on to this experience? Because people often feel very different after an experience, but then after a week or two that fades and they're right back where they were. Yeah, right? And like blast people open and sometimes people don't even know what to do with that, right? Because it shatters their old belief system or model of the world to see something from a whole different paradigm. Right? Absolutely, yes. And so sometimes people have a hard time with that. Like, what do I do with that information? Uh, you know, everything I thought about my life up until this point has just been popped like a big balloon, and now how do I rebuild? Absolutely, right? yeah. And so what do you find, like, the, you know, in your experience, I'm sure that you have a different way of looking at the different types of psychedelics, right? And yes. what they do. I think that that could be a very interesting kind of uh, thing to, you know, what are the different types and what are like the, the kind of more of the characteristic benefits or reasons for somebody to explore working with that psychedelic? Well, um, within the psychedelics you generally hear about these days, there is MDMA, which mm -hmm. is not technically a hallucinogen, it's an empathogen, it's a heart opener. Yes. But MDMA is very good for helping people address trauma. So mm -hmm. the reason it's being it's so, successful, uh, so, so successfully being used to treat PTSD in the MAP studies is that it allows people to re-experience a traumatic event without thinking that they're still there. This is the problem with PTSD. Mm -hmm. When someone starts talking about what happened or some traumatizing trigger event happens, it's just like they're there again. Yeah. Panic attacks, increased heart rate, it just feels like you're still there. MDMA allows someone to see that kind of experience and realize that this is now and that was then and sort of let go of the trauma physically and psychologically. Interesting. So it has this new association, right? You know, yes. so Helps you re reframe. Reframe, detach, you know, change all those anchors and those assimilations, the, the triggers that are there. And now you have a new association to something more positive, more pleasant, you know, less yeah. traumatic. Yeah. And it okay. also helps you see events from your past in a different light. People often say things like, well, now I get my mom or I see why I was doing that or I don't feel guilty about this anymore. It helps you step back and see things. Now, when, you know, just going back to my party days of using MDMA just for, you know, having fun and going dancing, um, you know, because it gives that body euphoria, it is that heart opener. So is there like different techniques that you would have or different like assignments that people would look at or explore during MDMA? Because, uh, I mean, I, I don't think that at least myself personally, using it, I don't know that I would go back to a trauma incident while on it, not unless guided there. Well, um, most, a lot of people say that about things like mushrooms, MDMA. I did it when I was in college, but I don't get what this therapeutic use is. When you 
step out of the subject-object experience. That is, I'm looking at, I'm talking to people, I'm talking to you right now, there are a million things going on. There are mm -hmm. subconscious processes that go into my just hearing, understanding, and storing the words that you're telling me. Yeah. I have to remember that I'm a person in the world, and this is a room, and there's a camera, and these are the words that we use, and this is how I sit. All of that's going on in my head. The second that you cut yourself off sensorily and you put on eye shades and headphones, all of that disappears and you have an internal experience. So okay. MDMA in a club and MDMA while, while, while laying down listening to a playlist with eye shades on are two completely different animals. Okay, that's what I was asking. Yeah, yeah. like because it's like it would have to be a different experience, yeah. you know, because, you know, the, the that drug in itself. So, okay, so this would be you would recommend the person when they're using MDMA or how done in a therapeutic sense is playlist headphones, uh, eye masks, kind of like a deprivation tank for them to turn inside. Yeah, it creates an internal experience, which is your own thoughts, yeah. you know, your own memories. And then, you know, there are qualities to music. For instance, uh, music has been shown in studies to take, to promote the movement of information from the part of your brain that stores memory to the part of your brain that creates pictures and movies. Yeah. So you have a mechanism within psychedelics that actually takes your memories and creates them into pictures and stories and movies for you. Because psychedelics communicate with us in some very novel, unusual ways. They yeah. can't just tell us something like, if I don't think I deserve love. Everyone in the world can tell me that I do, but I've already built up a defense against that. I can't hear it. Yeah. So psychedelics will sometimes tell me a story. They'll play a song. They'll let me see something from my life from an attached perspective. Sometimes they might frighten me. They might play games or simulations with me. Interesting. Okay. And then what about, what's what's the next one? Uh, some of the most popular ones are here. A lot about ayahuasca, of course. Okay. People going to Peru and there are actually probably one or two ayahuasca ceremonies in Los Angeles, believe it or not, that happen. Oh, mate, more than that. <laughs> <laughs> one to two on any given night. <laughs> Ayahuasca is uh, pretty unpredictable. It's a very powerful psychedelic. Um, mm -hmm. Some very strange things are that uh, sometimes when people first do ayahuasca, they might have no effects whatsoever. That's what happened to me. First time I did ayahuasca, nothing happened to me. Wow, really? Yeah. In the aftermath of that, of course, being frustrated by that experience, I learned some very valuable lessons. But I have seen ceremonies where people, you know, uh, someone might drink half a cup who's very experienced and get kind of blasted and someone who's never had ayahuasca will drink four cups and have absolutely no psychoactive effects. Yeah. Well, probably, you know, there's so many different factors at, at play, right? Well, some people say that it's actually doing more of a physical healing or a preparation. Yeah. Or there's four stages of the ayahuasca work, right? You yeah. know, in the shamanistic work. And they say that, you know, the kind of going to sleep is one of the deepest yeah. ways that uh, the work is being transmitted. And there's no visuals. There's nothing there. It's actually your body kind of just turns inward, right? Yeah. Um, now, there's ayahuasca and then there's geramum which is derivative, it's like kind of like the godmother of ayahuasca. Do you notice a difference between the two? Jeremiah, I'm sorry. Uh, it's uh, so there's 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 two different ways to make ayahuasca in the in the in the Amazon, and one is made your traditional ayahuasca, and one is made with this geranium root, which is said to be like a little bit more powerful and potent. Oh, okay, and I okay. didn't know if there was it's any still DMT containing. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, okay. yes. Um, there are different things. Then there's also toy, which is yeah. you know, datura. Um, yeah, yeah, so there are different admixtures and different medicines that different healers use. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't know if you worked with people that knew. I think a lot. A lot of times in the Western world, we don't know the difference between it, but in the in the shamanistic uh, aspects in like Peru and stuff, there's a difference in the way that they treat with the different medicines. Yeah. Um, now, um, what is the purpose of somebody doing 
ayahuasca and then so you had you had your experience where you know you're frustrated in this and then you go back and you do it again and then you had a different experience right yes Okay. Quite. <laughs> Quite a different experience. <laughs> You're blasted, right? I, I mean, psychedelics are all, I mean, people do psychedelics for various reasons, but a lot of people now are looking to heal somehow yeah. or, you know, address some challenges they might be facing or some issues that they have in their lives or people with anxiety, OCD, depression, all kinds of things right now, you know, PTSD, trying to use psychedelics in order to heal. Yeah. Um, and that's really one of the one of the uh, largest populations I see right now. People who are desperate for some sort of healing, and are turning to psychedelics almost as a last resort. You know, they've been through uh, they've been through different treatments, different medications, and they're turning to psychedelics. So a lot of people going to Peru and even locally using ayahuasca to try to heal. Yeah. Um, personally, when people come to me and say, "What's the first thing I should do?" You know, should I do DMT or ayahuasca? I usually say. That's not what I recommend the first time. I recommend something like, you know, psilocybin, magic mushrooms. That's yeah. a little bit more gentle, a little bit more predictable um, before you go into something like the different DMTs or ayahuasca. You know, mm -hmm. Ayahuasca is very big on shadow material. It'll show you something you don't want to see very quickly <laughs> right in your face. Yeah. And it's trying to help you get over it. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's where you hear people like it's... It, blast a reality, oh, right? Yeah. You know, where maybe something a little softer like magic mushrooms is a little bit more gentle on the spirit, right? Yeah. And it starts opening up, but having those neural pathways, which, you know, um, mushrooms, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I mean, that's the big thing in the news now, right? Yeah. Is, you know, decriminalization of mushrooms. Yeah. Um, and more and more people are using it for microdosing, different things like that. And do you work with people in the integration on both the microdose and on it, or do you just on the on the bigger experiences that are done for that therapeutic uh, kind of session? A lot of people come to me asking for information on microdosing because there's a lot of information, there's a lot of misinformation about microdosing. You know how you do it, how much you take, how often you take it. Oh um, yeah, no, I mean, I Googled around on it and it was like, there was nine different opinions right. and you know perspectives. It's like, uh, every other day, no, every fourth day, yeah. um, one day on, two days off, one day on, two days off. You know, like there, it's, you know, use a quarter, use an eighth, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, yeah, um, use, use uh, 0.5, use half a gram. Yeah. Use 100 milligrams, yeah. use 50 milligrams. Only take it every third day, you know, take it every day for two months. You know. Yeah. A lot of, so people come to me to consult about uh, microdosing, but also work with people uh, coaching on an ongoing basis when they're microdosing because it's a perfect time to try to make some positive changes in your life. Gotcha. It's a perfect time for personal or spiritual development. Yeah, because I'm sure if somebody's really, you know, open on that and they're, you know, opening their pathways a little bit, having that that coaching and that different things. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they say that it even works is that you see the world differently. It slightly opens up your brain to communicate in a different way without giving you that psychoactive effect. Exactly. Right. And this is one of the reasons people come to coaches in the first place, because Sometimes people take psychedelics and they expect the psychedelic to change them. Yeah. You know, there's a saying by Milton Erickson, who is a famous MD and hypnotherapist, that's kind of an orienting principle in my work. He said, change will lead to insight far more often than insight will lead to change. A lot of people are waiting for the psychedelic experience to change them, not understanding that most of the time this feeling will fade and you have to change yourself somehow. Same yeah. thing goes for microdosing. Microdosing helps alleviate a lot of different systems, but sometimes you have to jump in and help yourself in the process. Yeah. Is there is there a certain like, you know, 
Well, since we're on microdosing and we just shared a whole bunch of things, is there like a right dosage that you think? Um, I'll share a few things about microdosing yeah. that come up all the time. So one is when microdosing mushrooms. Um, first of all, they should always be measured. People mm. pick off a piece of a mushroom and eat it. And then they say, I was nervous this day. I didn't get much effects that day. Well, there's two problems with that. One is that um, when you have a mushroom, so if this were a mushroom, there might be a whole lot of psilocybin up here and not as much down here. So yeah. when you're taking a piece of the mushroom, you're not sure what you're getting. So mushrooms should be ground up like in a coffee grinder or food processor or something pretty consistently. A few mushrooms, you have a consistent dose of mushrooms. Yeah. It should also always be weighed. You can't guess and eyeball and just eat a pinch because you don't know what you're getting. <laughs> I usually tell people that for mushrooms, you know, a tenth of a psychoactive dose is kind of the ballpark for uh, microdosing. Now mm -hmm. with mushrooms, for some reason, that's considered to be 100 micrograms. Okay. I usually tell people to start at 50 micrograms. Try that, and if it feels okay, go up 10 micrograms at a time. Okay. You're gonna get to a place where you start feeling a little jittery and anxious. Mm -hmm. That means you've gone a little bit too far, back up. Then okay. you're at your last good dose because microdosing should be sub-perceptual. This is part of the misconception of I see about uh, microdosing a lot. People want to feel a little bit trippy or floaty or get a good feeling in microdosing. You shouldn't feel anything but just better or not as bad. Yeah. But you shouldn't have psychoactive effects. Yeah. I do recommend that when people start it, maybe they don't do it on a day that they have to drive or do something technical or work. Just in case. Just to see how it affects them to see if they're okay. Yeah. You know, some people stick at, stick at 60 to 80 micrograms or milligrams for mushrooms. They do great on that. But yeah. people are, you know, a lot of people, you see on Facebook, starting at 150, 250, half a gram. They start high and then try to get used to it. I think you start low and slowly titrate your way up. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, uh, and do you recommend doing every day, every other day? I like the Jim Fadiman protocol, which is one day on, two days off. So you microdose on Monday, you're off Tuesday and Wednesday, then you microdose on Thursday. Gotcha. You're off Friday and Saturday, you microdose on Sunday. Now, you shared a lot on, on you know, helping people integrate with their life and really uncovering and doing a lot of work with individuals. Now, when people come to you after after they, you know, so there's people that come to you in the beginning and before they try and they're getting information, but the people that have already went through certain experiences, do you find that there's a thread or a pattern of how people need help integrating or is everybody so different? Everybody's different, but there are some stories that are pretty much the same. People okay. tend to isolate themselves from the people that they're close to. Mm -hmm. A very common thing is for someone to have an experience and think, that they just feel more loving towards the world than they ever have in their lives. And they're going to tell their wife every day exactly how much they love her. And mm -hmm. then in about a week or two, they look and say, you know, she's doing the dishes right now. I'll tell her tomorrow. So we have a lot of protections in place because of things that have happened to us growing up most of the time. Yeah. And we tend to be separated from people that instead of showing them how much we care about, we tend to not approach people because we're afraid of being rejected. There are a lot of things we do to protect ourselves that are keeping us separate from other people. Yes, because I, I've, I've had those experiences where you get these ideas, right? These almost like solutions to your life problems. Yeah. And then there's no action or follow through because of exactly what you're saying, yeah. right? And so what is some of the suggestions or the coaching that you help or like tools that you give people to, 
you know, kind of break free of that resistance a little bit? Well, I use some techniques that are from cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm okay. a neurolinguistic programming practitioner. Mm -hmm. I draw from very spiritual practices, but in the instance that we're talking about, like someone who doesn't tell his wife as much as he'd like to how much he cares about her and feels some distance between them, he needs to tell her. Okay. And it's so going, it's just, it's just a, you, you're going to do it. <laughs> there, is a, there is a pretty common theme that I tell people before we start coaching. That is, when we start this process, I'm probably going to ask you to do some things that are going to feel a little bit forced and unnatural. And they're going to be uncomfortable because for better or worse, your mind doesn't want you to change. As a matter yep. of fact, your mind thinks it would be a very bad idea for you to change. Mm -hmm. It's got you acting or not acting in a certain way to keep you being hurt like you were before. Absolutely, because yeah. that's safe. You know, if yeah. somebody can predict the future, even if it's misery, they feel that they're safer that way. You don't take any chances, you're not going to get hurt. Yeah, even if you're already being hurt, right? Exactly. You're just not going to get hurt worse, right? Um, well, this is another thing that happens with people. You asked about common things. Another thing is that some people don't address or realize their emotions. And what they experience instead of being angry or sad, which they don't want to be, is a constant low hum of anxiety. You know, those emotions are eating you up from inside. After a psychedelic experience, people tend to feel the feelings that are bottled up inside of them. They might feel angry, sad. They might feel guilt, grief, shame, a lot of things that are bottled up inside of them. When you don't address those emotions because we have a habit of trying not to feel what we consider negative emotions, especially mad or sad. Mm -hmm. Mad or sad will not be denied. They'll get you from the inside. Those can turn into anxiety, depression, OCD, and a whole host of physical maladies. I like that mad or sad will not be denied. They will get you from the inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, okay. And so, you know, I mean, when people, you know, I get that. Because, I mean, if, if somebody's going to any coach, if you take like a, a fitness coach, uh, you know, a putting coach, a basketball coach or something, they're going to maneuver you in a way that your body's not normally going in order for you to get the physical result, right? And that it's yeah. going to be uncomfortable. They're going to stretch you into the yeah. unknown. They're going to push you a little harder. And that's what their job is. And that's what your job is. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, so it's working with you, you're going to make people be uncomfortable, but as a result, they're forming new neural pathways. They're yes. forming a new experience and a new life for their self that that can become the norm. Exactly. We try to figure out what it is you want to do. What do you want to do? Okay. I'm going to ask you to do some things that might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I think they're going to work for you. Why don't you try this out and see how it feels and we'll come back and we'll adjust if necessary. You don't want to force people to do something they absolutely don't want to do. Yeah, but... It has to be in their in their comfort zone to a certain extent, but they have to know that this is what it's gonna take for you to get past the thing that you're trying to deal with. Absolutely, I yeah. hear you. Okay, and so that's, uh, you know, in, is there any other psychedelics that uh, you work with that, or you work with people with, right? You know, so we've went through ayahuasca, we went through uh, magic mushrooms, we talked about MDMA. Um, is there anything else? LSD is about in the same category as mushrooms. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of difference between the two. I find LSD to be, be a bit more cerebral mm -hmm. instead of heart-centered, which I mm -hmm. find mushrooms to be. But the other one that I uh, get a lot of calls about and that integration, integration coaches are dealing with a lot now is 5-MeO-DMT. So okay. uh, that's sometimes referred to as bufo or toad. It is the secretion, it is, it's the venom of the Sonoran Desert toad which okay. is expressed from a gland in the toad, dried and smoked. Interesting. So this produces, it cuts off blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, which is where Christina resides. Okay. When that happens, it produces at certain uh, doses instantaneous ego death. 
So you as a person, an individual, kind of melt into everything and just feel part of the universe, God, however you want to describe it. It's a profound experience, but it can be a little bit unsettling to watch your ego being taken apart in front of you instantly and then slowly come back together with wow. all of your, you know, uh, all of your habits and patterns and things that have happened to you in your life being assembled again. It can be a little unsettling, but wow. the biggest problem with 5-MeO-DMT that we see as coaches is people who are overdosed. They experience what's called whiteout. So it's disturbing to see your ego go away and then come back. Well, that can be a bit of a challenge. Being sort of passed out while that happens can be very unsettling to people. So people who have too high of a dose of 5-MeO-DMT can come out completely ungrounded, unsettled. I have a personal friend who's been struggling with this for 13 months. Wow. Um, it's one psychedelic that I think facilitation is the most important with. The person who gives you that medicine should know what they're doing and understand you and understand dosing up a little bit at a time. It should give you something called a handshake, which is a little bit, so you get the feeling, see how you respond, then give you a little bit more. Um, there are a couple of notorious facilitators who actually have Facebook groups um, dedicated to their antics. They've been overdosing people and actually harming people who just give people very large doses and they're leaving a sort of a wake of destruction behind them. Wow, yeah, I mean, because everything, you know, that's with everything in life, right? moderation in the right dosage yeah. of anything. I mean, I mean, even water that's good for us, we drink too much and it could drown us from the inside, right? Yeah. You know, like, and so it's like these medicines can be very effective and it sounds like I, I've never heard of this one, so I was fascinated. You know, I've, I've studied a lot of different plant medicines and things like that, but this one was new to me. So I was like, ooh, what's this, you know? <laughs> um, and that sounds, you know, fascinating in the aspect of what an amazing, profound experience for at least people in the spirit spiritual uh, journey to connect with that divinity and and godlike feeling and to have that um you know expansive consciousness you know in death of that ego that a lot of times people are working on doing and having that feeling of it so that they can continue to shed away layers of it like so i see that owning the spiritual center and things like that how that would be really effective however like what you're saying can Someone needs to be in the right place for that. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because I, I think that given that to somebody that hasn't been working on their self, that hasn't been on a spiritual journey, that hasn't experienced some form of euphoria connection in a meditative space. or Doesn't have a meditation it, practice. You know, it's like, that was like blasting somebody into the universe yeah. and, and saying, all right. And then the zipper effect, like you're explaining of putting all the things back together. Yeah. Wow. You know, like definitely like at the right level at the right time for you and it sounds like the dosage even the most important aspect of that one yeah well this one you're talking about minute quantities you know milligrams yeah so 10 15 milligrams too much can make a difference with something like that yeah and it's smoked you said right yes so a little puff too strong or something too because that's also harder to kind of yeah, should be measured out. I mean, they should measure out the dose they're going to give you ahead of the time so that no matter how much you take, it's not too much. Ah, gotcha. Facilitation is key with that medicine. Mm. And have you experienced that medicine? I have, yes. And what was your experience with um, it? Euphoria. <laughs> First, it was one of being held in God's hands and having him let me go and say, here's what it's like not to have a form. And then just kind of going away and coming back. It was wow. one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Is that a longer experience or a shorter experience? It's quite short, actually. It can be anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes. Oh, Very wow. short acting. Wow. 
Interesting, because you know, like something like the ayahuasca can be up to eight hours. Yeah. You know, like, LSD can be twelve hours. Yeah, yeah. Mushrooms four, yeah. six, maybe. You know, yeah. but that's it. That's wow. So it's shorter one, but a very impactful one. Yeah, very powerful. It's in a league of its own. Wow, interesting. And so, um, when people work with you. Um, what's the type of length time? Do they come in for a few sessions? Do they work with you for a couple months? Like, what is your kind of like uh, standard of what you would recommend somebody to do coaching work with you? Preparation sessions, I usually take, I usually say that two or three preparation sessions work well because, you know, uh, at least two, because the first one will dive into your past and present. What are the connections between those two things? And shine a light on a few things, clear some things out of the way. Second one, we talk about the experience itself. Okay. What it might be like, what you can do, how you can get the most out of it. Yeah. Which is important because there's been times when, you know, intention is everything, right? Absolutely. And I've I've heard people, you know, they go in to an experience, especially like LA, it's like, you know, a trendy, trendy city of these things going on instead of people really setting, you know, hey, I'm doing this to heal or to work on myself or to get some answers or to have an experience to understand the world or the universe a little bit better, right? But sometimes people just show up and go to go to it because their friend invites them to do ayahuasca. And it's like, you one, you didn't do any prep work. Two, you don't even have any, like, you're getting the answers and the keys to the universe. You, you don't want to ask? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> is that something you're curious about? Because otherwise, it's just open territory. Right, yeah. you know, uh, so that that's beautiful that you can help guide people into knowing and understanding and preparing them so that they can even get that much more out of that experience because it's not something that people do all the time. It's like you know maybe once or twice a year, if that you know somebody you know goes and does you know a psychedelic to have this kind of deep, profound experience, yeah. right? Yeah, and so it's like prepare for it. Yeah. <laughs> And then afterwards, uh, I generally recommend at least three integration sessions because we're going to come up with what your lesson was or what the theme was from your journey, what you want to do with that and what that looks like in real life, what steps you are going to take from here out. So then we sort of have homework. We come back and check in a week, see how that's doing. Then we check in again. Now, I also do what I call transformational work. So I'm what you would probably call like a life coach. Yeah. So sometimes people want to continue working with me after they do their integration. Yeah. Um, just on different issues and things within their lives. Amazing. You know, personal spiritual development. And yeah. I do a lot of men's work too. I do a lot of work with men around uh, issues of love, sex, and intimacy. Okay. I've been studying practicing Tantra for five years and that informs my work with men. Amazing. And now you teach workshops too, as well as doing one-on-ones. I mean, we're hosting you for a workshop here. Yeah. Uh, so how does those, uh, what, do, what can somebody expect out of a workshop? Well, um, in the past I've done workshops on uh, various combinations of medicine, like in uh, uh, mixing iboga with cannabis, something okay. I stumbled across. But this one you're talking about, I'm going to be doing here on uh, January 17th, is on the guided psychedelic journey. Okay. So as a coach and in uh, facilitating integration circles, we get a lot of questions about um, what it's like to work with an underground guide. That's where people mm. are going now. Uh, people who don't have an experience want to work with a guide. Yeah. Um, so why am I wearing headphones and eye shades and what kind of music will I listen to? What kind of questions should I ask a guy? What kind of questions should they be asking me? What's the experience like? Why does that happen? So uh, in that presentation, we'll talk about the difference between a shaman, a facilitator and a guide. 
We'll talk about why you listen to music and what kind of music and the theories around what kind of music you should listen to in that sort of experience. Why we have eye shades on, which we spoke a little bit about earlier. Yeah. What kind of questions you should ask a facilitator when you find them and what kind of questions they should ask you. Mm-hmm. And what your relationship with that person might be like and what the experience might be like. We'll, yeah. cover, we'll cover a lot, a lot of territory about guided psychedelic journey. Nice. So you really help give some tools in this workshop. Sounds like uh, for them to really vet who they're going to be working with. Yeah, exactly. You know, vetting, knowing your, knowing your guide, knowing your facilitator so that they're safe and they're getting the best, right? You know, some of the things like you shared with, you know, how important it is that somebody's that precise with the dosage can yeah. be, you know, your poor friend dealing with 13 months and still having you know, issues really grounding and coming back, right? You know, so these things, you know, can be beautiful tools used the right way and used the wrong way can cause harm. Yeah, I'm a psychedelic advocate and I'll say it again, psychedelics are not for everyone. Yeah. They're not for people with certain medical and psychological contraindications and some people just don't mix well with them. And really, psychedelics should help make you a nicer person or a better person. I don't put many shoulds around psychedelics, but that's one that I will. But all you have to do to go to do was go to Facebook and look at some psychedelic groups to find out that doesn't happen with everyone. Yeah. There are plenty of people who are jerks who've used psychedelics many times. So psychedelics well, don't work for everyone. They, they, need, that, they, need, that to- for they need to smoke the toad. You know, the, yeah. they, they need the death of the ego. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not sure joking. that would work for a lot of people either. No, I was just teasing. But, you know, like when people are jerks, you know, it's like, okay, get over yourself for a minute, right? Yeah. yeah. Ah, so where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on my website, which is psychedelicintegrationspecialist.com. Amazing. Yes, it is a long URL. But, but it's, <laughs> it's you know, it says what it is, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, your Google keywords are probably yeah, exactly. spot on. And right? you can reach me, email greg at psychedelicintegrationspecialist.com. Amazing. And I'd be glad to get back to people anytime. Awesome. Uh, well, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up? I love Liberate Hollywood. Did I tell you that? (laughs) And we love you. I have not explored every corner of your store yet because I'm afraid I'm going to spend too much money if I do that. So I'm trying not to look around. I'm coming in with blinders when I come in all the time. Thank you. And thank you so much for this. I think it's a really helpful, super timely, like I said. And, you know... um, Guys, come see Greg on 17th of January. If you're watching this after the 17th of January, uh, check our calendar because we might have another one or a couple of them between the two stores and stuff going on. So um, take a look out for it. Grab a workshop. Maybe if you leave some comments or feedback uh, below uh, with other questions or topics, maybe we can have them on for a deep dive on any one of those subjects or any one of those particular psychedelics if you want to hear more. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. If you enjoyed this conversation, like it, subscribe, and share it with your friends. If you want some more amazing resources on your path of liberation, head over to liberateyourself.com and sign up for our mailing list. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, at Liberate Hollywood, all one word, or Liberate Emporium, all one word. Until next time, liberate yourself. If you're thinking that you want to take that action step, why wait? Book your session right now. Go to liberateyourself.com. Click on either Liberate Hollywood or Liberate Emporium. See our amazing practitioners and who resonates most with you. And then book a session. 
via Skype, phone, or in person. We're here for you, and it's your time to start creating your life.